Well, you've mentioned several times about your chronic illness and just health stuff. So just tell us, you know, when that kind of started and like what's kind of transpired Mm -hmm. over the last several years or, or however long. So I have been kind of a sick kid my entire life. I had like strep throat, tonsillitis, all of those things a lot growing up. I just, I remember just kind of being a sick kid. And from a really early age, I struggled with my periods and those types of things. And I, I just thought that that was the way that everything was. I had lost a significant amount of weight. I am 5'8", and when Corey and I got married, I weighed about 115 pounds. I was a bag of bones, Hmm. and I knew that something was wrong. I was having a lot of pain, like, in my side and my lower abdomen, and I didn't... I, I just... I knew that something was wrong, and so I went, and I saw out a doctor because at the time when I first moved here I was going to my doctors back home because mm-hmm. I right you know I, I kind of figured that I was going to stay here but I didn't know for sure and totally. so it's kind of a commitment when you start moving your doctors <laughs> and things to the new place that you're living and so I finally saw out medical care here and the first doctor that I saw told me that I was sick because I was skinny not that I was skinny because I was sick. And he quite literally made me feel like a crazy person and that everything that I was dealing with was in my head. I went to him solely with, because I had been doing a lot of research myself, and I was like, hey, dude, I think I have PCOS. And he was like, you're too skinny to have PCOS. Skinny girls don't have PCOS. Like, you have to be overweight to have PCOS. And I was like, I really don't think that that's correct, but okay, Mm. you're the doctor. Um And like I said, he told me that I was sick because I was skinny. Not that I was skinny because I was sick. And like I said, he just made me feel like I was crazy. I ended up finding a different doctor. And I told her about all the things that I... All the issues that I was having, the symptoms and whatever. And she did an ultrasound and she was like, 100% you have PCOS. I don't know how a doctor ever did an ultrasound on you. And said otherwise. She was mm. like, your ovaries are covered in cysts. And she was like, I also believe you have endometriosis. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, like, wh- where do we go from here? And I, she was like, the only way to, like, technically diagnose endometriosis is you have to have a laparoscopic surgery so we can get in there and see it. Like there's no kind of imaging that they can currently do, no kind of testing that they can currently do, or at least in 2019, um, that they could do to, to find that out. So I had laparoscopic surgery for the diagnostics of endometriosis. Sure enough, I have endometriosis. Mm. So Within a couple of months of each other, I got diagnosed with PCOS and endometriosis. Which explained all, all like, so much of all the pain that you were going through 100%. for so long. Okay. And also validated the fact that all of my cycles and things like that, I never, I always felt like they weren't normal. I was always felt like I was suffering from significantly more pain than, like, my friends. Yeah. But then I also just kind of shoved it off of, like, 
well, maybe, maybe I'm just being a baby. Mm. Like, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe my pain isn't yeah. worse and I'm just being a baby about it. Yeah. And it val- ended up validating my feelings of like, no, no, like this actually is more intense than it typically is. Yeah. Um, while I had my surgery, um, for the diagnostics, they found a tumor on my gallbladder. So mm. my gallbladder was dead and not functioning at all. Um, and had this little benign tumor on the end of it that was like sucking the life out of it. And of course, like, since we didn't know that going in, they can't, you can't just like take it out while they're in there. Really wish they could have, but they didn't. And so I woke up from the surgery and they're telling me that. And so I'm like processing that. And then I went to like a gastro doctor to get an ultrasound and for them to look at the imaging from my laparoscopic surgery to get that confirmed. And sure enough, there's this little benign tumor on the end of my gallbladder. And so I go back basically a month later for my second laparoscopic surgery Mm. um, and get my gallbladder out and pretty much immediately start feeling better, which looking back now, that's a lot of the reason why I had lost so much weight was because my gallbladder just wasn't functioning at all anymore. Um, and I, I was nauseous all of the time. Like Mm -hmm. I, I had no desire for food. I would wake up every single morning, just absolutely feeling like I was going to throw up. Like it just was not a good time. And I was eating probably about the bare minimum to survive just because I felt so horrible Yeah, all the time. Uh And so I get through that. And once I get my gallbladder out, my, um, my OBGYN is like, okay, we have to figure out, you know, we, we did what we could for what endometriosis we could while we were in there. But like, I have endometriosis like on my bowels and like my bladder and there's not a lot they can do for that because you would end up damaging the organ. And so she was like, we have to figure out a way that we're going to maintain this. And like, she gave me the options of what that looked like. Um, and one of the options is this chemotherapy drug called Lupron. And it's literally a chemotherapy drug that they give to men with prostate cancer. Um, It does a thing with your hormones where basically it shoved my body into a state of menopause where my body was no longer producing estrogen at all. Um, But I was taking like a very low dose of add back estrogen. So my body wasn't completely estrogen free, but for the most part it was. And the thought is that this stops the endometriosis growth because- the endometriosis grows because of the hormones and Mm. a lot of medical things. Um, So I go through that and being on Lupron and having that in-hormonal imbalance and shoving my body into menopause turned on a genetic condition that I already had that I didn't know called lipedema. I did not know that I had lipedema until... March of last year. Mm. Lipedema is the excessive growth of diseased tissue fat in your extremities. So typically affects your legs, um, can affect your arms. It is different from lymph edema. People that have had like cancers or like lymph nodes removed, that is solely to do with the lymphatic symptom system. And lipedema also has things to do with the lymphatic system, but not 
so much to where like like what lymphedema is lipedema has more to do with the diseased fat and so i went from being a bag of bones to gaining 60-ish, 70-ish pounds from this hormone treatment. And then it didn't matter what I did. I couldn't lose any of that off of my legs because it doesn't matter what kind of diet, what kind of exercise, anything. There is nothing other than doing a liposuction surgery to get rid of this lipedema diseased fat nothing else will get rid of it and lipedema like i said it's they don't know a lot about it they it has only been studied in the united states since the 1980s which is like very new in the medical world they know a lot more about it in europe they've been studying it more in europe and it's kind of starting to make its way over here but like in the grand scheme of the medical world they really just don't know a lot yeah And right now, they're hypothesizing that it is hereditary, genetic, um, which, like, I can look at my mom and look at the way that, like, her legs are shaped. Like, it's kind of, like, for her, because, like, she hasn't had the, what I call the explosion of, like, where the fat just kind of, like, absolutely explodes and, like, you just get significantly bigger in a very short period of time. Um... But you can see, like, from, like, the calf down, or from the knee down to the ankle, it's, like, all, like, the same size. Like, it's just kind of, you don't, uh, you have cankles, basically. Yeah. Which, like, I've always, I've always had cankles. Like, I didn't really have pronounced ankles. Like, there's always been the signs there. Yeah. I just didn't know that that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And so, I... I had no idea what was going on with my legs. I just knew something was wrong because I started bruising really, really easy. And, like, my legs are very sensitive to touch. And so, like, going to get a pedicure was so painful for me. And I would come out and, like, it wasn't – it didn't used to be like that. Prior to, like, my legs getting significantly bigger all of a sudden, it wasn't like that. And so – I, I was like, something is wrong here. And I thought that, like, maybe I was just carrying a lot of fluids. So, like, I went to a cardiologist because I thought maybe something was wrong with my heart and was on fluid pills for a while. And that did nothing because that does nothing to the lipedema fat. And so I ended up talking to my – just my general practice doctor about it. And he first was talking about lymphedema. And he was like, this is what it sounds like to me. Mm. And so there is – a physical therapy clinic within Murfreesboro that they specialize in lymphedema and lipedema. And when I started going to them, they were like, you don't have lymphedema. You have lipedema. You have the fat deposit one. And I was like, what, what is this? What is this? And like, that's how I learned all of the things. And so, um, you can do conservative efforts to try to minimize, like at this point, my legs are the size that they are. And they're going to be this size unless I decide to have the liposuction surgery. And they just don't know enough yet about the the longevity of that. Like, there's a good chance that if I did it now and when Corey and I decide that we're ready to start having children, if we can have children, because endometriosis, PCOS, that's a whole other thing, but... If I do get pregnant and there's that explosion of hormones again, because they say it can happen to women, um, primarily in women, by the way, men are typically not affected by this. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely something 
hormonal related. It happens at hormonal spikes. So some women see it at puberty, some women see it at pregnancy, some women see it at menopause. And that's why mine happened when you were my body the... was medically shoved into yeah. menopause. Um, but conservative efforts look like um, compression garments all the time. I mean, I don't wear them at night. And I typically give, like, myself one day off a week from them just because being, like, restrained in compression garments is, like, not a good time. Um, And then lymphatic drainage massage also kind of helps to, like, get everything moving and all those things. And then, too, like, watching your diet helps, like, not eating foods that are, like, high in sodium and and those types of things. Um, But it was just kind of like a a back-to-back-to-back thing for me of, like, the PCOS and then the endometriosis back to back really quick and like coming to terms with that and then immediately immediately after that this thing that was physical um and that was one of the things that was so hard for me was like the PCOS and the endometriosis is one thing because nobody can see that yeah I can walk through my daily life and just live like whatever and nobody would ever know Mm -hmm. that I'm suffering from those or like you know, have pain from those or or whatever, but my legs, you can see. And that was really hard for me because I was a person that, that struggled with body image and those types of things in middle school, high school, like most girls walk through at some point. And then I was, I went from being really, really skinny to not anymore. And, and that was the hardest part for me is just like, well, people are just going to think that I'm overweight and I'm not taking care of my body and yeah. I'm not exercising and I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. Um, and it, that was really hard. Um, mm-hmm. And through all of it, my my biggest issue was like, why is this happening to me? Why is all of this happening to me? And why is it all happening at one time? Yeah. And I was very angry with God I was angry because you know I always just assumed that I would be one of those girls that just gets married in whatever amount of time gets pregnant and has a baby and whatever and our story might not look like that now and I've I've come to terms with with that now but when you're first told like yeah hey, getting pregnant is probably going to be really difficult for you. Mm-hmm. And also when you're told, like, hey, you should probably do this sooner rather than later, and being told that, like, your timeline's not up to you anymore mm-hmm. is a really hard conversation to have. Yeah. Um, especially because Corey and I really want – we wanted time to, to get to – enjoy our marriage just the two of us while we could you know before bringing kids into it and there was um like through 2020 we were just back and forth like do we start trying to have kids now or or do we wait or or what do we do and um it was like when I did the the loop run there was a year where all of my things were not functioning the way that like everything was turned off everything was powered down not working Mm -hmm. so the endometriosis wasn't growing but we also were unable to get pregnant and so I knew that there was a year at least a year for us to figure out what it was that we wanted to do and I was like okay well I guess like at the end of this we're gonna start 
trying to get pregnant and then it came to like a couple of months before that and I was just like I can't I can't do that like I'm not I'm not ready to have kids and I'm not ready to rush into this just because somebody's telling me that my body may or may not be able to do this thing and the longer that I wait means the harder it's going to be Mm. and I was like I don't that's not the way that I want to bring well and you're still dealing physically emotionally spiritually with yeah. The diagnosis and and the m- massive changes all right. at once. So there's so much that you've still not even been able to process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And through that, it, it was just, it was a lot of me questioning the Lord and questioning his intentions. I, you know, I, why, why are you having me walk through this? Especially like... <laughs> I've already walked through like all of the things with the jobs and having, you know, the hardships in that and and so now we're we're walking through this chronic illness diagnosis where this is just a thing that like at the time I was what, twenty five, twenty six, something like that. And I was like, So now I have I have to live with this for the rest of my life. Mm. That's kinda daunting. Um and I, just, I spent a long time being mad. Yeah. But even when I was mad, it was around the same time that I first was entering into being on the worship team and playing guitar. So I started out singing in the, the ensemble. And then I started playing guitar. And then I started singing a little bit. And so it was like during that time where I was like entering into the ensemble, like all of this was also happening and like starting to play guitar and it's like even though I was mad at my circumstances I was still able to worship the Lord in those moments because Mm. I knew even though I was angry at the time I still knew he was good Mm. you know I still knew that it wasn't that he, you know, has like ill will against me or or something like that mm-hmm. or you know, he's not looking out for me because these things have happened. Mm-hmm. Um and it was really the the realization of we were not promised a life without suffering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Walking with the Lord and having that relationship with him does not mean that you are not going to suffer. Mm-hmm. It actually, it doesn't mean that you're going to suffer more, but it, I mean, it says in the Bible, like there will be suffering. Mm -hmm. And once I had that realization, I was like, okay, so this isn't like a personal vengeance that like he has against me for Mm -hmm. all of these things. Because of course your first thought is like, oh, it was all those times that I sinned. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was all of those times that I did X, Y, and Z wrong, or I wasn't going to church, or I wasn't praying, or I wasn't in my Bible like I should be. And you start blaming yourself. And I had the realization of like, that's not, that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. That's not how the your relationship with the Lord works Mm -hmm. he's going to love you anyways Mm -hmm. he's going to love you in those hard moments when you feel so weak that you don't even feel like you can open up your bible Mm -hmm. or 
you're so upset with him that you're, you just don't, you don't want to pray mm-hmm. because you're so mad and you don't, you don't know what words you could even say. Mm-hmm. He still loves you mm-hmm. and he's still with you mm. in all of those moments. Yeah. And I, it really got hit home. I feel like I obviously, I obviously worked out of my anger. I'm not angry anymore at this point. I am, I am able to see how my story of suffering is going to be able to be used for other people mm-hmm. um, that might be suffering in other ways. Yeah. Um, they don't need to be suffering exactly the same way that, that I am in order for my story to help them. But just for them to know that there's somebody else out there that's going through these hard things. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's not just suffering that'll be gone tomorrow but it's chronic suffering that i'm gonna have while i'm here in this broken world in Mm -hmm. this broken body yeah literal broken body Mm -hmm. um and it, it was really hit home for me this past year um we were talking about i think it was like one of the thursday nights before our worship rehearsal we always have like time where we talk together before we start rehearsing and we're like in the word and discussing, um, you know, how our weeks have been. And we started, we were talking about, uh, John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus and how Jesus knew that he, he knew that was going to happen. And he, you know, he, he found out like Lazarus is sick. Like you need, you need to go and you need to be with him because he's sick. And he waited two days before he left to go be with him. And by the time he got there, Lazarus was already gone. And the sisters were upset with him. They were like, you know, how could you do this? You knew he was sick. How could you not come Mm -hmm. and save him? Mm -hmm. And, And in that moment, Jesus just sat with them and he cried. And... That is such a testament to me of how the Lord is with us when we are in our suffering. Mm-hmm. That is a story about how Jesus just sits with us mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Just because he's not immediately fixing it in that moment, or he's not immediately taking away your pain, doesn't mean that he's not sitting right there beside of you holding yeah. your hand through mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And once I, it was like something clicked in my brain. And once I realized that, I was like, it matters. It all matters. My suffering, my suffering matters. My story matters. Um, And that's when I started, like, I, you know, I wanted to tell more people about it. I wanted, you know, to find other people that were going through similar similar situations Mm -hmm. so I could have conversations with them about, my walk through being angry with the Lord into turning into just being like, okay, well, like this is what it is. And now I can, I can see the beauty in it, Hmm. which is a really tough place to get to. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it just makes me long for the day of new heaven, new earth Mm -hmm. and, the resurrection. Yeah. Like, I just... It's become even more real to you now. Yes. Mm. Yes. 
100%. Yeah, that's awesome. And just how powerful it is that it's okay that your initial response was confusion and anger. Mm-hmm. And like, why, God? Right. Why? I mean, all throughout the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Why, God? Like, right. <laughs> um, so it's okay, but but you didn't just sit in that. Mm-hmm. You you continued, even though it was hard, you continued to remind yourself of who is God. Mm-hmm. Well, God is good, even though my situation isn't good. God is faithful, even though all of these things are happening and and all the things that are to come. Like right. I'm I'm not promised. I'm not promised that I'm going to get pregnant. I'm not promised that this is going to go away. I'm not promised that I won't, that I'm just, I'm going to like feel normal again. But, but you can look to the promise of Jesus that one day you're going to be made new and, oh, it's just beautiful. It's powerful. And I know that, I know that your story is going to continue to be used. And so I'm just, I'm encouraged and thankful for you to just share so openly and vulnerably, especially remembering that that suffering doesn't just have to end there. There is beauty that can be found in our pain. There is beauty and rising from the ashes, you right. know? And so, yeah, it's so good. Uh, I'm, I'm so thankful and hate, you know, hate that you have to endure this, but I'm so thankful that for the way that God is walking with you in it Mm -hmm. and that he's not going to leave you. Yeah. He's not going to leave any of us Mm -hmm. in our suffering. So that's just beautiful, Jesse Lynn. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing your beautiful story um, with all the ups and downs and turns. Um, We are so grateful that, that you're here and that you're part of our church and listeners. We hope that you find this story of Jesse Lynn's just encouraging and, you know, if anybody's ever had to deal or gonna have to deal with chronic illness, that you're not alone, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm sure Jesse Lynn would love to meet with someone that has been through that or is going through that. Thank you for of being course. here. Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, so good. Well, until next time, thanks for listening, guys. Bye.